I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Randa Maturi, and we are Hand Therapy Academy. We're going to do a little kind of case study here, a little bit. We're going to talk about a uh, zone three extensor tendon injury, but we're going to take it from kind of a closed presentation. So a patient who comes not necessarily from the hand surgeon, but someone who maybe came from, you know, a friend says, hey, go to the clinic and see my buddy who's a hand therapist, or maybe a primary care doctor, or someone as a self-referral. They come in and they've got an injury and that PIP is kind of drooping. What do you do with that patient and where do you start? What are we going to do for treatment? So Miranda, what's kind of your first step when that patient presents? So my first thing to ask the patient is what imaging they've had done, right? Because a lot of times if they do have a boutonniere deformity or a boutonniere injury, it's not showing up on an x-ray. So maybe even they've had x-rays and then they're coming to you and the diagnosis is PIP joint sprain or some something like that, right? So you kind of have to be a detective and determine, well, are all their tendons intact? So the first thing I might go to is checking, doing an Elson's test. Um, and then that's where you keep the PIPs at 90 degrees flexion and you put them against the other side. It's really hard to explain in a video, but then you have them try to extend their DIP joint, right? And if it looks the same as it does on the other side, then you know that that's probably a, a negative test. It's positive if that DIP really extends, then they it's positive for having a Nelson's test. And that can be an indication that their central slip is not intact. So now that we've determined their central slip isn't, in, isn't intact, what is the first thing that you're going to do, Josh? So I'm going to talk to them about prioritizing protecting that central slip. It's very likely that it's not retracted all that much because it's got the lateral bands still acting as a tether to that terminal tendon. And so uh, let's back up for a second and talk about what a boutonniere is. If I have um, an attenuation or even a rupture of that central slip, the PIP joint will lose its ability to extend, but those lateral bands will still be retracting and now unchecked, they'll retract more with that muscle tension and pull that DIP into hyperextension. And so what I want to do is protect and keep that PIP joint in extension so that hopefully the distal and proximal ends on either side of that avulsion or rupture will tighten back up or even scar and adhere back together again a lot like I would with a mallet injury, that extensor tendon is broad and has that ability to scar back in again. So I will try to protect that PIP in extension, but leave, as long as the lateral bands don't appear to be affected, leave those lateral bands at the DIP free to allow for ORL lengthening exercises. So I'll do a, basically a burrito splint is what we call it, but a circumferential wrap that has PIP in extension and DIP free. My starting point is kind of like a mallet finger Prioritize protection. Don't let that PIP joint bend because I may just be re-attenuating or re-avulsing that, um, that site. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, it's really making sure you have the right diagnosis to the right. So do you ever send them out to a hand surgeon then or you say, I'm confident, I know what this is? If I think that there's like specifically a trauma that happened or some kind of event, if I think that it is a ruptured central slip when they present in the clinic, I will immobilize them and then send them across the street, send them to the, to a hand surgeon or whichever doctor happens to be in office that day. And I'll say like, listen, this is a big priority. This is something that is, that could be a lifelong problem if you don't get it addressed as soon as possible. So I may immobilize them, keep them protected and then send them off. If I'm not sure and I'm unclear, I might still default to the, go get them taken care of and get an imaging and I'll tell them, I'd rather be wrong 
and you get imaging unnecessarily than me say, oh, I got this. We can figure this out, but it didn't repair. I might still do the same if it were a mallet injury too, kind of depends on the presentation of the patient, but certainly for a central slip, because that can go bad with that boutonniere deformity creating and initiating, hard to recover from that once it starts. Yeah. And then what's, once you're, you put them in the splint, how long are you leaving in, them in the splint for? And then are you initiating any early active PIP joint range of motion? So let's assume maybe the doctor sent them back or for some reason they can't get to the doctor. And I'm just going to carry on with a conservative management of a central slip avulsion or rupture. I might, uh, I would probably then say we're on a six to eight week plan, a lot like I would for a mallet finger and say, that's how long this tendon healing timeline is in scarring. And we will start by protecting it, but I may do a blend with that, um, that uh, short arc active motion protocol where we're doing a blocked flexion where I'll give them a separate splint and say, put this on, it's a volar block that allows for like 20 to 25 degrees of active flexion just so that joint doesn't get stiff and just some short arc active motion into that flexion block um, that allows for some mobility in that joint, but then put that burrito splint right back on again. Do Do you ever cast these patients? Um, I do. Yes, that's something I have done. Um, I'm not typically a fan of it if um, if the patient needs more management of soft tissue stuff, if they got wound stuff. So if it's a pretty clean presentation, yes, I'll put them in a, in a cast if, if I'm worried that they'll not comply with the splint. But I'll have some patients that if there's some edema that's going to fluctuate or they've got a wound to manage, as soon as I wrap it in a cast, Either if it's edema, that edema goes down and it falls off. If it's a wound, I worry that the wound is going to get checked on or monitored um, like on a daily basis. So I have done that. It's not kind of my go-to. I prefer the splint option. It gives me more ability to check it, um, but kind of therapist preference. Yeah. How about you? Do you I, cast? I recently had a kid in my clinic and he was actually from a hand surgeon, um, but they, they didn't really know what was wrong. And I was like, well, I think it might be central slip. So I called this surgeon. I was like, hey, can we try? Um, immobilizing this kid, you know, for six weeks. So I wasn't really worried about him getting stiff, um, but he definitely presented like a true boutonniere, right? He had the hyperextension of the DIP, uh, but his MRI was negative. Um, so we treated him like a boutonniere and we ended up casting him, which worked really well because he was a young kid, right? And active and going to school. So, and we cast him for six weeks and his outcome was was nearly perfect, knock on wood. But I think... <laughs> We got lucky that he was a kid, but I think the casting seemed to work really well just because I was really nervous about him not being compliant with our splinting. Yeah, yeah. And that casting, I'm sure, did a really good job of helping to recentralize the lateral bands really well because there was zero opportunity for, you know, forgetting here, forgetting there. Those lateral bands were in the right place for an extended period of time. That's really helpful. Right. And then we left his DIP free so he could really um, stretch that ORL and then recentralize the lateral bands uh, to be more in the neutral position. Yeah. Uh, I've had some patients in this kind of situation present, unfortunately, really late in the process. I had one patient who was a, um, who's a musician and wanted to go back to school after working in the business world, wanted to go back to really focus on her music career and came back saying, I can't play violin and piano with this PIP boutonniere that I have from two years ago. What can we do to fix it? The doctor doesn't want to do surgery. Let's try conservative first. We threw a couple of things at it. We did serial casting with, you know, we'd come in for the serial cast revision, but before I put the new cast on, we would do some soft tissue stuff. 
We tried LMBs when, this, uh, when the serial casting didn't seem to be effective. That far out, it's real tough to make a difference. So it's, us- it's very helpful to get them as early as possible for sure. Yeah, and their age. I had a lady recently that was an elderly woman and she came in and it was her small finger. Oh. And it was so tiny. And getting that DIP blocked, but keeping the PIP in full extension was almost impossible. Yeah, yeah. Small, a border digits, but specifically a small finger. So hard to do work on the PIP joint. Everything's so much smaller and packed in that little tiny container. It's just really hard to manage those effectively. Yeah. And unfortunately, her outcome wasn't as good. So, yeah, yeah. It's good to get the diagnoses as early as possible in the plan of care. And hopefully, it's someone who's got good healing potential and not a lot of other comorbidities. And yeah, there are lots of factors that will affect the outcomes. And sometimes we have to kind of release ourselves and say, like, if this doesn't have a great outcome, it's not necessarily because I didn't do everything possible. It's maybe just kind of the variables of the situation. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of information there. Hopefully that gives you guys some ideas on what to do if you have a uh, boutonniere presenting to your clinic, uh, conservative management of it. So hopefully that helps you guys. If you have any questions, you can reach out to us on info at handtherapyacademy.com or message us at our Instagram at uh, at handtherapyacademy.